follow Christ and stand for the truth of God's Word. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 13, and uh, Acts chapter number 12, I'm sorry, Acts chapter number 12. If you get to Acts chapter number 13, I've got nothing to say about that passage today, but it's good. <laughs> Acts chapter number 12, and we continue on with our, our series, and I, I um, we've done some different things the last few weeks, but uh, with the thought that the church is still the answer. The world is follow, falling apart. And by the way, it was in that time, and it, it will always be falling apart because it was never intended to last forever. You know, we struggle, we struggle with this thought that everything we see is what the Bible uses the term temporal. The things that are seen are temporal, which means they do not last forever. We get our little word temporary. They don't last that way forever. And so the world is always falling apart, but the answer is God's people going in the power of God and seeing God work. Acts chapter number 12, and, and I'll catch you up to speed in just a moment, but I want to read two verses as we begin. First one in verse number five, the Bible says this, but there, uh, Peter, was, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. If you mark things in your Bible, mark those two little words, but prayer. And then go over a few verses with me to verse number 24. And some of you know this story. Don't get ahead of me. If you'll stay with me, I'll tell it to you. But at the end of this story, at the end of this chapter, the Bible says this, but the word of God grew and multiply. If you mark things in your Bible, mark those little expression, but the word. For a little while, I, I'm going to preach on this subject, but, the, but prayer and the word of God. Or we may say it this way, when all we can do is pray. Now, Acts is an amazing story, and we've seen the day of Pentecost, and we've seen the lame man raised up, and we've seen lots of wonderful things happen, and we've seen uh, the fear of God come upon the church, and we've seen prayer happen, and the, the place shaken, and we've seen lots of things happen, but when you get to Acts chapter number 12, let me remind you where you are. Acts chapter number nine was Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, that bright light, and he was one that was persecuting the church, and, and now God saved him. But also in Acts chapter number nine, the last message I think I preached was about encouragement. On Sunday morning, I, I preached about Ananias and Barnabas encouraged the Saul, and Saul became Paul, and you never know what you do with some, and what God will do with somebody that you encourage. And then Acts chapter number 10 is this man, Cornelius, the memorial before God. And we looked at that on Memorial Day and how Peter's eyes were open. And God works not only on the person to receive the message, but God works on his messengers. And he meets those two things together. And we say, man, that's good. God works on both ends. End of Acts chapter number, uh, then you get into Acts chapter number 11, and, and for the first time, God begins to work in the Gentiles, and they receive the, the gift of the Spirit of God, and the, being baptized by the Spirit of God in the body of Christ, and, and at the end of Acts chapter number 11, the work of God is continuing through Barnabas, and the Bible says in verse 23 that he, he, he tried to give them to purpose with their heart that they'd cleave unto God. And he talks about that. And then verse 29, it says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, 
determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt at Judea. So they knew there was a, a dearth happening and a drought, and, and so they decided of their own, they took a free will offering. We use that term free will because it was not forced. Every man according to his ability. And then the Bible says in verse 30, which also they had a notice this and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So that's what's happening. So Barnabas and Saul taking the money on down there and giving it to the elders, to the leaders of the church and uh, to the pastor. And so you have all this going on. So what's happening now in Jerusalem? Well, Acts chapter number 12 says in verse number one that Herod ain't happy. What do you mean? The church is continuing to grow and continuing to move forward and it's causing a stir uh, among the Jews and, and the Herod and the Jews are, are now causing trouble. Can I say this? The world always hates the church and it always will. You say, are you one of those conspiracy theorists? No, I'm just a biblicist. Jesus said they hated me and they'll hate you. If you follow Jesus, they'll hate you. You say, well, everybody loves me. Well, you must not be following Jesus real close. If we're not careful, we, we substitute and soften and we want an American Christianity that makes everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise. But following the Son of God will always lead us into trouble and will always lead us into suffering. You say, you got a pessimistic outlook. I say again to you, no, I have a biblical outlook. Because this world is not my home. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I'm not to have permanent residence here. This world is not all there is. If it's in this world only, we have hope. The Bible says we're of all men most miserable. You know why some people can't handle what's going on in the world today? Because they put all their hopes and dreams in the American idea. They say, well, stock market crashes, so What? Well, I like it when the offerings are good. Don't get me wrong. I want every one of you as 4OK to do good and put the church in your wheel. Amen. But the truth is this world is not in line with biblical Christianity. And so Herod starts causing a stir. Notice the first thing with me. We're going to learn three lessons today. The first one's a lesson on providence. You say, what do you mean on providence? That means God knows what he's doing even when we can't figure it out. Look in verse number one, it says, now about that time, the king, about that time, Herod the king, notice that title, Herod the king, stretched forth his hands to vex the church. That old English word vex just means trouble. He gonna cause trouble. Some people, their goal in life is to cause trouble in church. It says in, the Bible says in verse two, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, that's just a simple verse, but don't miss it. James, if you remember James and John's mother in the gospel records, she asked Jesus during his earthly ministry, said, can my two boys sit on the right hand and the left hand? Can they have a place of prominence in the kingdom? When your kingdom comes in, there again, she was thinking of this world and, and an earthly kingdom and she didn't quite understand. And Jesus talked to them about, or if you're able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. Well, interesting enough, now we get to Acts chapter number 12 and the first apostle to go is James. James is, is killed. Now, that's, we read that those three or four words in the Bible, and we say, well, what's next? Now, wait just a second. This is a man that had left all to follow Christ. This is a man that was named with the 12. This was a man that was working in the church of Jerusalem. This was a man that was obeying God, and all of a sudden, his life is over. 
said, man, that doesn't seem fair. Read the next verse, verse number three. It says, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he, he, Herod got a, the Jews got a kick out of this. They said, well, they've been causing us trouble for years anyway, boys. I'm glad you got rid of one of them. He said that in Ian, that's in the Mark Fowler Amplified Version. It says, and notice this, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now, I've marked in verse 2, he killed James, and then he took Peter. And there were the days of the unleavened bread, so a feast was happening, and, and so that he, there were certain things they could and couldn't do. And, and so he killed James, and, and James had to understand that there's no glory without suffering. And, and now so he's suffering, and he's gone. And the Bible says this, and he took Peter. Now notice this right here. He proceeded further. You say, now look. I know, Herod just intended to keep him. No, the Bible puts that little parenthesis in there. He was going to kill him. He just couldn't because it was the days of unleavened bread. It, 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 the next step is Peter's gone, Peter is gone too. Uh, but in verse number, three, verse, verse number four, we find that he bound him in prison into four quarterings of shoulders and, to keep him. And notice this, intending <laughs> after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So James is dead, but for some reason, Peter's still alive. Eventually, we know, many of you know this story, Peter's going to walk out of that jail cell. Peter's life's not over. Peter's ministry's not over. Now, everybody thinks it is at that point. And you find in verse number three, he, he proceeded further. In verse number four, he intended to kill him. Everybody thought they knew how this was going to end. James is gone, Peter's gonna be gone next, but can I say something to you? Only God knows how it's gonna turn out. You say, where you get that from? I get that from the Bible. Write in your notes somewhere and I'll read it to you. Isaiah chapter number 46 and verse number nine and 10, the Bible says this, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. Say, so what do you mean? I can't think like God, I can't act like God, I ain't God. It says, I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Now you say, Brother Mark, I've watched them Hallmark movies. I know how they turn out. Everybody gets married and falls in love. But I have some bad news for you. Life ain't that simple. And sometimes we say, well, why? Well, now, Peter, why him? Why is Peter delivered and not James? If you're part of James's family in Jerusalem, you're saying, why us? Now, don't look at me cross-eyed because y'all have had them same questions. Now, we're, we're, we're serving God. We've left all. Why is, why is Peter in jail a third time? Why is Peter awaiting execution? Why is Peter bound with four soldiers, two chained to him and two watching the door and then they'd rotate shifts? 16 soldiers. So I said I was gonna follow God and it's gonna work out. Well, it ain't working out real good for James and it ain't working out real good for the apostle Peter at that moment. But can I say this to you? God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah goes on, we quote this often, Isaiah 55, in verse number eight, he says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
the New Testament, Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. You say, well, Brother Mark, I can't see the end of it. I don't know what's gonna happen. And if you went to every Christian in Jerusalem at that moment, they knew James was dead and they would have said to you, what's gonna happen? They said, well, Herod's about to kill Peter and we don't know what we're gonna do because he was the one Jesus left in charge. But can I say this? Herod's intention and God's will don't always meet. <laughs> you say he's the most powerful man. All he had to do was say it is gone. But at the end of this story, Peter's walking out and he's still preaching. You say, well, Brother Mark, I got a deeper question. Why James and not Peter? Now look at me. I'm going to say this to you as deeply and as profoundly as I know how. I don't know. I'm not God. But now I do know at the end of this chapter that the church is multiplied. You say, how could Peter, or how could James's death and Peter's persecution end with the multiplication of disciples? I'm going to say it to you again. I don't know. I'm not God. Let me go a step closer. You say, why cancer? Why death? Why my kid? Why my life? Why now? And I say this to you as lovingly and as kindly as I know how. I don't know. I'm not God. But I do know that there is a God that's able to take all things and work them together. I do know that there's a God that knows the end from the beginning. I do know that there's a God, look, that his ways are higher than my ways. I do know Apostle Peter, Jesus already told him he wasn't going to die. He was going to get crucified. I don't know what he's thinking at that moment. We'll look at it in just a moment. I don't know everything he's thinking. But I do know sometimes you say, well, my life's all bound up and all I see is certain destruction. But what you don't see is the end from the beginning. First lesson we learn in this story is a lesson on providence and trusting in the supernatural almighty care of God. I say this to you, there'll always be questions that only the providence of God can answer. I know there's a crowd that majors on this, but the providence of God is a scriptural teaching. It, it, God knows what he's doing when we don't know. And let me give you a second one very quickly. Not only is it a lesson on providence, it's a lesson on prayer. Now look in verse number four. We'll go through this quickly. It says, and when, he, when they'd apprehended him, so there he is, he's bound to these soldiers. Why did they keep... Peter and kill James? I don't know. It says, notice this in verse number five. But 
Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Notice this, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I, I got some things we'll think about prayer that we can learn from here. Uh, if you look down through here, I want you to understand this. Uh, so here he is bound in prison, soldiers everywhere. But can I say this to you? When we learn some things about prayer, one of the things we learn about prayer is this. Prayer is not controlled by my circumstances on earth. Oh, he's bound in prison in the inner core. He's bound by the soldiers. And you say, it's all over. Look at the situation. But prayer was still able to get to the throne room of God. Go back and study Jonah in the belly of the fish. And the Bible says this, but Jonah prayed. Just because your situation is desperate and destruction appears imminent does not mean that God can't hear your prayer. Read on with me. It says in verse number four that they continued. That's what they wanted. Notice verse number five says, but prayer was made of him. Let me just say this to you. Prayer should always be our first response, not our last resort. You say church didn't have any, they didn't have, look, church didn't know anybody. They'd already lost contact with the Jews. There was nobody on the Sanhedrin they called say, y'all need to leave old him alone. They, they said, no, all we can do is Pray. The church, the early church at that point could never, never do anything but pray. They had nothing else to do. And the Bible says this, that without ceasing earnestly and continually, they were praying. And I say to you, church, never underestimate the power of a praying church. So here you understand prayer should be our first response. Notice the next verse in verse six. It says, and when Herod had brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping. Circle it, underline it. Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers. And the keepers of the door had kept him prison. Now, let me just put this in perspective. Let's just assume that they bust in here and they cut my head off and they kill me. And they take Brother Greg to the jailhouse and they got, a so, they got a soldier on each side of him chain, a soldier at the door and say, as soon as this feast is over, boy, you're headed to the same place your preacher is. Now, can you imagine the thoughts that would go through that man's mind? But can I say this to you? Prayer brings peace that the world can't understand. Oh, Apostle Peter, he knew that he, he'd been promised life and, and he knew there was a people praying for him. He'd already been delivered twice. This was his third trip to the jail. And I want to say this to you. No matter what your chained circumstances are, please look at me. You better learn to rest in the peace and the sovereignty of Almighty God. The peace of God passes all understanding. And the Bible says at the end of that verse, and it shall keep your hearts and your mind. You say, man, my mind's going crazy. The only thing that's going to keep it's the peace of God. Because Apostle Peter knew something. Herod couldn't touch him until God said so. You find prayer brings peace. And notice quickly another one, verse, verse 6, we continue on. He was sleeping, bound between two chains and the cheapers, uh, two chains and the keepers before the door. So two were bound to him, two to the door. It said, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shone in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, <laughs> raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Let me just say this to you, real simple prayers are answered. He's a church praying for him and an angel shows up and the Bible says that 
slaps him and wakes him up and his chains fall off, says, come on, son, let's get out of here. What are you still doing here? And don't miss it. God does hear and answer prayer. Read on this story. His story, it gets gooder and gooder, as they say. It says in verse number eight, and the angel said unto him, gird thyself and bind on those sandals. And so he did. He said, look, boys, get up, put your coat on, get your shoes on. We're going. We're leaving this place. Now, everybody thought when Peter left, it was headed to the execution. But God had other plans. And he said unto him, cast thy garment on. Notice this, and follow me. He said, get up and follow me. And then you say, man, so they're getting out of there. But notice verse number nine, and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but he thought he saw a vision. So he thought it was another one of those visions like he'd saw with Cornelius and the angel ascend, the, the, the blanket ascending. He thought, well, maybe this is just another vision from God. And then he realized in the middle of this, no, this is the real deal. This is happening right now. It's not a vision. Please don't miss it in verse number 10. And when they were past the first, underline it, and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate, underline it. Now here they're leaving, they're walking out. They've passed the first ward, so the chains fall off. Them guys are supposed to be watching him. I guess he's asleep too, but the chains are gone. The angel said, come on, put your shoes on, coat on, we're leaving. I guess it goes to show you don't, you always put your coat on and shoes on before you leave the house. And so here he's gone, he comes to the first ward, second ward. Now all of a sudden they notice there's an iron gate. Now an iron gate I, I, I can't even imagine, but there's no way they could have opened that. But notice what the Bible says in, in verse number 10. And the gate that led to the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They went out and passed through one street and forthwith the angel departed him. So they're getting to that iron gate that's keeping everybody in. They walk to it. It opens like one of them automatic ones we got today when your car pulls up. Let me give you a little lesson on prayer. Please don't miss this. Often prayer is answered in stages. So what do you mean, preacher? I'm sitting here chained, and this is the way we live. Let me rephrase this. This is the way I live. I'm sitting here chained, and, and I, I'm not sleeping. I'm not resting in the providence of God. I, I want my answers, and I, I start thinking, well, maybe God could do this, and maybe he could get one of these guys to be nice to me and, and unlock this chain. Then I think, well, what would I do about the door, the guys at the door? Man, then I start thinking, well, I know what, maybe I could offer something. And then, then I know, uh, then there's the first ward. We get past that and then the second ward. And then I'm sitting here thinking, man, then there's iron gates. There's no way. And I'm sitting here and I'd be sitting here thinking, well, that iron gate, well, if I got through this, now don't, now look, you say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about why you lay in bed at night and worry. I'm talking about why I lay in bed at night at worry. Someone has said it, and I wrote it in my Bible. I'd encourage you to write it down too. There are no iron gates to God. But when he got up, he said, put your shoes on, leave. And the Bible says, and he did. And he said, follow me. And the next verse said, he followed. God answered prayer miraculously, but he said, get up and follow me. And all he had to do is keep obeying. And as he obeyed every step of the journey, God miraculously answered another prayer and met a need. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I'm saying we sit there chained up, worried about the iron gate, and we ain't even there yet. 
Now God's going to open the iron gate. Well, put your shoes on, put your coat on, we'll see. All he had to do was put his shoes on, his coat on, and start following. And God did some amazing things. Look at verse number 11 and 12. And he went on, and the angel went on. And then verse 12, they, they gathered Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. And notice this, they were gathered together praying. I give you another lesson in prayer, and that is this. Prayer should be the rallying point for God's people. We say, I'm praying for you. That should be true. And then this is a funny story, and I don't have time to deal with it, but he, he shows up and he knocks on the door. And a damsel hearkened named Rhoda, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told him Peter stood there. So she recognized Peter's voice, and she got so excited, she didn't even open the door. She ran on and told the crowd, said, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. You won't believe it. What we're praying for is actually happening. That's my other lesson. Some answers seem almost too good to be true. It says, and they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And then said they, it's his angel. So they said, well, uh, they, they tell us, I read in commentary that they believe the guardian angels probably looked like them. And so they just assumed that an angel with the resemblance of Peter was there. Now that's a real spiritual crowd that's praying, gathered at the church praying. And then when God answers it, they don't even believe it. Has God answered some things in your life every now and then you try to rationalize away? I said to you, I got to preach seven times this week. Amen. And somebody may say, well, Brother Mark, do you, do you have any, is your health back? Do you have any lasting effects from COVID? And somebody says, well, that's, it just takes a long time to get over. But I have to say, no, 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 look. God gives me strength. Amen. Somebody says, well, I just work hard. I make lots of money. No, 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 no. God gives the ability to make money and not to make money. Don't rationalize away your answers to prayer. And so the story goes on, and I got to hurry, and I'm done. But uh, notice it goes on, and they're there, and finally they open the door. They're making such a commotion. Verse 17, Peter had to tell them, calm down. He said, hold your peace. He said, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison, said, we went right out through there. And he said, go show thyself unto James and to the brethren. James, they believed to be the pastor of the leader of the church of Jerusalem. He departed and went into another place. And it's now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers. They said, where's Peter? Said, I don't know. He's chained to you. He's chained to you too. You're supposed to be keeping the door. Well, now, how did he get past that first group, that first war? And who opened the gate? There's quite a stir going on. And the Bible says in verse number 19, and when Herod has sought for him. He found him not. He examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. So instead of Peter being put to death, he's going to kill the soldiers. And he went down to Judea, Caesarea, and there abode, and Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, having made Bladus the king chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. He said, so here he is all garbed up. He's going to give a speech. He's going to give the State of the Union address. It says, 
in verse 22, and the people gave a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not a man. They said, man, they said, Herod, you, you're, you're all powerful. You're like a God. But let me give you this third lesson and I close and this is a lesson in power. Herod thought at the beginning of this chapter he had power. They didn't like what they did in the middle of it and they let him out. He killed them. He goes to visit the other country and he makes a peace treaty with them. Then he makes this big speech and everybody's saying, isn't Herod the greatest guy ever? I mean, he, he's like supernatural. But notice in verse 23. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. One commentator said it this way, that was a fitting way for Herod to die because he was rotten on the inside out anyway. And the worms eat him. Now let me say something to you. We learned something about the power of God. We learned something about God sharing his glory with no man. You say, well, Herod was wicked, but wait just a second. God says he'll share his glory with no man. God says he resisted the proud. I don't care if we put our three-piece suit on and sign our shoes. God is not interested in sharing his glory with any man, and God is not interested in our pride. These six hands, uh, these six things does the Lord hate, and we quote, he hates the shedding of innocent blood. I'm against abortion. I'm against abortion. Read the rest of that verse. A proud look. Why did he get so hard on those Jewish leaders that were supposed to be the guardians of truth? He said, you're stiff-necked. He said, I can't break you. It's a lesson in power, and that is this. Man is not in control, and God will not share his glory, and you can't destroy God's man and God's church without God noticing. He said, he ain't going to kill them apostles. God said, no, I don't think so. So what about James? I don't know why God allowed, but he had the ability to protect Peter and he, he let it go on. But look at verse 24 and 25 and I close. It says, but, here it is, the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem saying they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. You find here's the real power. The power wasn't Herod. The power wasn't the Jews in charge. Look at me. The power was the prayers of God's people. The power was the word of God that was able to multiply the disciples. Look, and the power was the work of God. The Bible says they fulfilled their work, meaning God was not going to let them let that work go unfulfilled. He had a way of fulfilling that. And really the power in life still is the prayer, the word, and the work of God. I say to you as a church, sometimes we get to the place where all we can do is pray and trust the providence of God. That's all we can do. Situations sometimes look desperate. I don't know how God, and I, I cannot tell you why God allows certain things. I wish I could. Sometimes we get a glimpse of it, and we say, well, this happened because of that. But many times we don't even get that glimpse. Oh, we'll understand it better by and by. That's why we like the old song, Farther Along. We'll know all about it. Sometimes on this side, all we can do is trust in the sovereignty of Almighty God. And sometimes all we can do is pray. What can you do 
When all you can do is pray, you can pray and watch God work. And let me say this to you. When he says, put your shoes on, get up, put your coat and your shoes on. And just start following. And you'll be shocked when the iron gates start opening. Gates you can't open yourself. But can I say this to you? Don't get proud. One of the most dangerous things this church has to watch in the beauty of this building and what God is doing is the sin of pride. It's not man's doing. This is God's doing. We must give him all the praise and all the glory. I want you to bow with me in prayer.